0: In 2015, 25-year-old Pedro Kumamoto made history by becoming the first independent candidate elected to Congress in the Mexican state of Jalisco. His campaign phrase, Walls can fall, was eerily predictive of the slogans used north of the border during Donald Trump's presidential campaign the following year. Now 27, Kumamoto, who has no ties to any political party, has launched an initiative, No Money Without Votes. That aims to limit the excessive public funding of Mexico's parties. Instead of receiving funds based on the number of people who can vote, Kumamoto's plan would see them only receive a proportion of that money based on the number of votes that they get, a change that would massively reduce how much taxpayers give to political parties. Viva Mexico. Viva. Viva my name is Stephen Woodman. And I'm Duncan Tucker. You're listening to Viva Mexico, a podcast from Guadalajara offering news and views in the age of Trump.
1: This week we'll be speaking to Pedro Kumamoto and then discussing how the new US President Donald Trump is already impacting relations with Mexico.
2: We do believe that it's not about just saving so, some money, but it's about um, making the political parties more representative of the of the mexican people. Right now our initiative is is cutting around 60% the the funding of the political parties because right now the mexican people is not voting. Mm. The half of the the people who could vote, they are not voting. And from the people who is actually voting, around 5% or 6% is uh, taking his vote and make it not valid.
0: That's Pedro Kumamoto on his latest initiative. So, Duncan, why is this important? Why is this necessary?
1: Well, I think there's a huge amount of public anger in Mexico about the amount of public money that's spent on politics already. And then you have this year, for example, there's only two or three state elections, there's no federal elections, and the parties still receive the same amount of money as they would in a, a presidential election year. So I think... There's a lot of scope there for reducing this money and making the expenditure a lot more efficient.
0: And what's the current status of that legislation?
1: Well, it's already been approved unanimously by the Jalisco State Congress and it's now been sent to the Federal Congress to be debated and uh, Kumamoto's hope is that it will be passed into law later this year.
0: And are people at all sceptical about Kumamoto? What makes him different from other politicians?
1: I think he has generated a, a lot of optimism here in Jalisco. Um, For one thing, he's donating 70% of his salary to fund community projects in his district, which makes him quite different from the average Mexican politician who are generally perceived to be more corrupt kind of money-grabbers. Also, some of the initiatives that Kumamoto has kind of prioritized, like the Central American migrants' rights. He's passed a law to um, improve their rights here in Jalisco, of the migrants that pass through here en route to the United States. He's also passed laws to enhance uh, civic participation in politics here, and he played a key role in uh, ending the immunity to prosecution that public officials have long enjoyed here while in office in Jalisco. So I think that shows that he's uh, pretty different to the average politician here.
0: And I understand that he represents Política, which is a grassroots political movement. What, what are their aims?
1: So Wikipolitica was founded about five years ago. It's a group of uh, mostly students and young people who have kind of banded together to try to make Mexican politics more more transparent and um, try to enhance kind of civic participation. And it's uh, gradually been spreading across Mexico. It started here in Jalisco and they now have operations in at least six or seven different states. I think they're trying to kind of build a, a national movement perhaps with the possibility of, of becoming uh, a real political force in the future.
0: And are they linked to leaking important documents? <laughs> or shouldn't they change their name?
1: No, there's, there's no, um, no link to, to WikiLeaks there. I think it's just um, a name that they, they chose a few years ago and maybe it's a bit more stigmatized now because of uh, the kind of controversy surrounding WikiLeaks. But I don't think it's uh, too big a deal here in Mexico.
0: So, Kumamoto, future president?
1: Um, I don't know. I think he can go pretty far in politics, but it really depends on what he wants to do next. That's the big question mark hanging over him right now. But I think if he goes for a mayor or maybe even for the state governorship in a few years, you never know how far he could end up going.
0: And what's his next move? We still don't know because his term's coming to an end, isn't it?
1: He's still got about a year and a half left in, in Congress, and he hasn't really spoken about what he plans to do next. I think he's just focusing on his his current responsibilities. So that'll be something we'll have to see in the next year or so.
0: So his campaign slogan, Los Moros y Cayen, Walls Can Fall or Walls Do Fall, was that a reaction to Donald Trump?
1: No, he actually be- began using that slogan about two years ago when he first ran for office, which was still a few months before uh, Trump announced his candidacy and his plans to build a wall. So it was just a coincidence, but I think it has taken on a kind of added potency uh, since uh, Trump announced his plans. Of course, the the political climate in Mexico is is really dominated by Trump and his plans at the moment. Um, We asked Kumamoto what he thought about uh, what the Mexican government should be doing to protect its people against Trump's threats.
2: We can make another kind of um, deals, not only commercial, but also cultural, political and also uh, economical uh, deals with other nations, and Latin America is a great place to start. So,
0: moving on to the unavoidable issue of Donald Trump, how have Mexicans been reacting to his first week?
1: Well, I think there's been a lot of um, shock at just how strong and aggressive Trump's stance has been already. And that's led to a discussion of what countermeasures Mexico could possibly take to try and negotiate with Trump or force him to back off a little bit. One of the proposed measures has been that Mexico could maybe relax security on its southern border and let the Central American migrants through and take a shot at the northern border. Um, another proposed proposal was that Mexico could maybe uh, end its cooperation with the U.S. in the war on drugs or even ex- expel the DEA agents in the country. They could also begin to revise the immigration and tax status of the one million Americans who actually live in Mexico. I'm not convinced that these would necessarily be the most uh, productive or constructive measures to take, as it would kind of only antagonise Trump further. But I think it's clear that Mexico has to take some kind of strong action to uh, redress the damage that Trump is already doing to the country.
0: Yeah, of the people I've spoken to, some Definitely see it as an opportunity for Mexico to become more independent. I don't think many economists are feeling too positive about what's going on, but there's definitely a sense in Mexico that they've been looking to the north far too much and been far too reliant on uh, providing cheap labor and uh, trying to look for uh, economic deals with the United States. And this could be a chance, some people feel, for it to kind of. Become its own country and not focus purely on on the United States.
1: Yeah, there's definitely been that kind of reaction on on social media, especially that Mexicans should begin to to boycott American businesses. There have been hashtags like uh, no, more, no more Starbucks, no more McDonald's, no more Walmart, and that kind of thing. And there's been a real um, sense of encouragement that Mexicans should begin to consume local Mexican-made produce instead of uh, American imports.
0: And do we know yet how effective those campaigns have been? Has Have, have there any kind of results already or not yet?
1: I, I haven't seen any uh, statistical evidence of, of what kind of impact that's having. But um, another thing that's quite interesting is the actual impact that, that Trump is, is having on the Mexican economy it could actually be completely counterproductive to his aims. For one thing, every time he tweets uh, threatening Mexico, it, it causes the Mexican peso to, to fall against the dollar which ironically actually makes Mexico a more attractive place for US companies to invest. The other thing is that every time Trump uh, damages the Mexican economy and um, hurts the job prospects and the opportunities here, it's only going to drive more Mexicans to to try to migrate to the US and seek opportunities there, because there'll be fewer opportunities for them in their own country. So a lot of what Trump's doing doesn't seem to be particularly well thought through, and it could actually end up... Uh, causing the complete opposite of what he hoped for.
0: And I understand that one of the companies that's a very popular company in Mexico is Uber, and they've been uh, tainted by links to Trump's administration.
1: Yeah, I think the the owner of Uber is quite friendly with Trump and may even be advising him in an informal capacity. And that's led to this Delete Uber campaign, with many Mexicans uh, deleting the device from their phones and looking to use alternative companies like Lyft or Cabify, um, companies that aren't supporting uh, a president that's directly opposed to uh, their well-being.
0: And can we offer free advertising spots to City Drive or Lyft?
1: I think that's something we should think about for the next podcast. Let's uh, make this podcast uh, pro pro Mexico to uh, make Mexico great again. <laughs>
0: And Mexican billionaire Carlos Slim gave a rare press conference last week where he spoke about Trump. What did he have to say?
1: Well, it was a a long press conference. It went on for well over an hour. It wasn't entirely clear what the main purpose of his his conference was, but he did say that he would help the Mexican government to negotiate with Trump. And he said that this was an event that's really unified Mexicans in the same way that the, the terrible earthquake in 1985 kind of helped bring society together in a nationalistic kind of way. One thing that was interesting about uh, Carlos Slim was that he, he repeatedly pulled out uh, Trump's book about making America great again. And he said that if you read this book, it, it tells you exactly how, how Trump will negotiate and what his um, main priorities are and how he's going to go about um, realising them. But it just made you think, Trump, uh, Slim's obviously done his, his research here, but what are the odds that no one in the Mexican government, or at least in Peña cabinet, has actually read this book? I wouldn't be at all surprised if uh, no one had actually thought of doing that.
0: And what's this hashtag Slim 2018? What's that about?
1: So there's been some speculation that Carlos Slim could be preparing to run for president in, in Mexico next year. Um, there's, a, there's a sense that he's the only Mexican that, that Trump fears and respects, basically just because he's richer than Trump. But um, I'm not convinced of his candidacy, I, I mean, for one thing, he denied in this press conference that he had any intention to run for president. And even if he was to do it, I don't think it would really be a good thing for Mexico. Um, he's clearly a, a very effective businessman. But um, I'm not convinced that a, man of that a man of wealth is going to uh, really be able to solve some of the, the gravest problems that Mexico faces today, like wealth, wealth inequality. You've got 50% of the population living in por- poverty, while the, the vast majority of wealth is concentrated in the hands of a few individuals like Slim. So I'm not sure that he's really the person to help solve that kind of problem.
0: No, do we really need to be run by fat cats in as politicians?
1: Yeah, and it's almost just like Mexico would be looking for its own version of Donald Trump. I, I know Slim's probably a much better person than Trump, but it, I don't think you need to, to fight fire with fire in the same way of just uh, electing a wealthy businessman to look after your country's interests.
0: And how have Mexicans been reacting to the wall? Do people think that? they are going to end up paying for this wall, this idea of Trump's...
1: I think some people are beginning to see it almost as an inevitability that they will have to pay for it in some way. But that's largely because they just don't trust the Mexican president, Enrique Peña Nieto, and his uh, foreign minister, Luis Videgaray, to really protect their interests... I think uh, Peña Nieto's popularity rating has now dropped to just 12%, which is the the worst in, in history in Mexico. And there's a complete lack of faith in him to, to effectively negotiate with Trump or protect Mexico's best interests.
0: He did cancel the meeting, though, that he had last week. Was that gonna, Is that a really good idea?
1: I think at least it showed some backbone, but it was a little bit too little, too late, because at the time he cancelled it, Trump had already tweeted that morning that if Mexico is not going to pay for war, then they shouldn't bother even coming to this meeting. So he'd already forced Peña Neto's hand. I think it would have been a more effective um, stance to take if he'd done it before Trump had already pushed him into it, really.
0: So he was more uninvited to the Trump meeting rather than he cancelled Pretty much, yeah. Viva Mexico! Viva. Viva Mexico. You've been listening to the first ever episode of Viva Mexico, a podcast from Guadalajara offering news and views in the age of Trump.
1: If you enjoyed this podcast, you can follow us on Twitter under the handle at Viva Mex Podcast and subscribe to our channel pages on SoundCloud and YouTube.